Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. In the whole series we're preaching on set apart, come out from among and be set apart is really God's desire for man to walk in this relationship. Those you visiting us, welcome. Those you're back from holiday, you're late. I'm not joking, so welcome. <laughs> I hope you had a good rest. Yeah, we've already started two weeks ago with this whole series, so you're welcome to, you'll find all our sermons on our website, on our podcast. You can actually subscribe to it. You'll get it on a weekly basis. It's loaded, it's loaded on by, I think, the end of man, Monday. And so from Tuesday, it will be available. Don't miss out, because every week, it's been building up. The very first week, I spoke about God is holy and really the revelation of God's holiness ultimately is the direct link to how you and I serve him. You see, we either do it out of obligation or we do it out of revelation. Obligation never lost. Religion makes you obligated. Relationship is out of revelation of who God is. And that's the only thing that's gonna last. Then Christian did a brilliant job last week preaching on holiness lost. What did it mean? What did we lose? You see, I don't know if you, I mean, my wife the other night came into, I mean, 10 o'clock at night, I can't find my ring. My wedding ring. It's not just a ring, it's my wedding ring. And it's like, and that wedding ring, um, and it's got a little kind of thing that bling blings on it. I mean, it's like, where's your ring? And uh, I mean, she was looking for it all over and she was searching for it. It was 10 o'clock at night. I mean, if she lost a toothpick, she would not have cared. Because it's a toothpick. But she lost her wedding ring. See, if we don't value God for who he is, We'll treat him like a toothpick. And weeks like this where we sit apart, doesn't matter. We just go on with life. When holiness is lost, the essence of Christianity is lost. You cannot even define love. Oh, God is love, God is love. You cannot even use the word God is love and explain it unless you understand holiness. The angels don't bow down and say, love, love, love. The angels bow down and say, holy, holy, holy is he. It's important that we have the right priority and the right understanding here because out of that revelation, we exist. And that's how we live and that's how we give our lives. Radical Christianity, a committed life, somebody who makes time for God is not coming out of a place of obligation and rules and you feel guilty because you haven't done it. True radicalness and true total service and submission to God comes out of understanding he is so valuable. I'll search for him till I find him. What is lost? It's not your car, it's not your wife, it's not your kid, and it's not your petal cord. It's God is lost. We live in a world where God is lost for many people. They don't see him, therefore they can't revere him. They can't honor him. They can't obey him because they don't see him. Where is he to be found? I'm gonna continue this morning trying to give us an answer to that. Holiness revealed. So for me to go and dive into the scripture, powerful scripture, 
And um, my wife, we kind of talked to her and she was kind of aiming to preach this Sunday. We said beginning of the year and she read through this passage and says, no way, this is a difficult passage. And so I was the scapegoat and you'll see that scapegoat's gonna play a role today, <laughs> okay? So I dived in the scripture and at some stage I thought, wow, this is an interesting scripture. And many of you read it, when you open up your Bible, you kind of, oh yes, and you're quick over it. You know, the books like Judges and, you know, and Revelation, Judges and uh, Leviticus and Numbers, it's like, no, let me go to Matthew, Mark, James, John. But you know what? Mark, Matthew, James, John, everything else, it's vital that we understand the Old Testament because the Old Testament is the foundation of the whole New Testament. And I've been sitting on this text and I tell you, it's one of those weeks that I had personally an encounter with God while I'm standing the word of God to bring to you. And I hope I, can be, I will have the ability to project and to communicate to you what I have in my soul, which you're really trying to concentrate and follow me because we're gonna go through scripture here. So before we dive into scripture, I wanna give you just context, otherwise you'll miss this passage meaning. Before Leviticus, you have Exodus. The whole Exodus narrative, a lot of things happen. The people of God, they are trapped in bondage by a king, Pharaoh, holding them for 400 years. It's a world where people are kept for 400 years. And this king thinks he's powerful and strong, but then somebody else arrives on the scene and it's a God, it's a king that is more powerful than any other king. And he does not negotiate. And you'll find in Exodus, the whole narrative, you'll find two places where fire is again displayed. The burning bush and the fire mountain. And both, only one person was allowed to come close. Moses, seen as a high priest. And both places with the fire, the fire was directly a exposure of the holiness of God. And the moment Moses saw the burning bush and he wanted to come closer, God says, don't do that because it will be fatal. You will die. Take off your shoes, turn your head aside. Do not look at me directly. Why? God was not trying to be spiteful. God was trying to be protective. Sin cannot come in here. If it comes in, you'll die. There's no room for sin. That's Exodus. So God has been walking with these people and he's taken them out of Egypt. How? Another concept we need to understand is Passover. What has happened? What's Passover? It's a night that God decided he's gonna deliver his people. And a message went out and he said, to all those who are part of my people, you should slaughter a lamb, an innocent lamb, and put the blood on the doorposts. And when I come, no negotiation, but there is provision. There's no negotiation for sin, but God makes provision. How did he provide? He says, if you put the blood on the door frame, and when I come, I see the blood, I will pass over. Even if you, my people, have sinned and have sinful, I know that none of you are perfect. It's not by your righteousness that I pass over. It's by the innocent blood of the lamb that I'm gonna pass by your door and I will not harm you. But if you neglect to put the blood on the door, by choice, you've ignored God's instruction. You will die. 
And that's what means by Passover, how God came in and all those with the blood on the door, God rescued them and he destroyed everything else and he took them out from that place. Now this is the context of the scripture. So everything culminates and comes together now from Exodus and out of Egypt and understanding the Passover. Now we turn to Leviticus. And Leviticus is right in the middle of the whole Pentateuch the books of the Bible of, um, of, of Moses, and you look at all those books that come down to a pivotal point, a turning point, almost known as the Good Friday of the Old Testament. Leviticus 6 is right at the center where God is doing something that is gonna be forever beneficial to mankind. So building up to verse chapter six, you'll find chapter one to 15, the laws of sacrifice are explained. The roles of the priest, how they sacrifice is explained. And then from chapter 11 to 15, God makes it clear that we understand what is unholy and what's unclean and how you become clean. Now you may read through the Bible and ask yourself, why so many rules and laws and all these kind of things? I don't have time to dive into that, but here's a short answer to that. God in his best ability, God taking laws, taking a people who are in the world and he's separating him from that world. He puts them somewhere else and says, I want you to look not like them, look different. Here's some kind of laws and rules that you'll realize we are, I am very different from a lost world. And the rules are not there just so that we have rules, but the rules are there to start to try to teach the people that God is different than the world. And even with all those rules, it's teaching also the people that I am so holy, I'm gonna show you that you cannot even obey these rules. Because if you can, you'll become arrogant and you'll save yourself. You have to have a discovery through the law of God that I am unholy, lost in deep need of somebody to save me. It's vital because you look at how many people today are self-made, self-made businessmen, self-made, all of those things. These things are deeply rooted in the nature of sinful man. And so God gets to Leviticus 16 and it all builds up to this moment. You see, Leviticus 16 is in the middle of the Pentateuch, the mountain peak of scripture in the Old Testament. And it's starting to explain the redemption plan and place of God. Let's read verse one. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. When they near, draw near before the Lord and died, and the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your, brothers, brother do, your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in a cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. And he shall put on a holy linen coat and shall have the linen um, undergarment on his body. And he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. 
Then we're just going to jump to verse 20. And when he, he was made an end of the atoning for the holy place, in the tent meeting at the altar, he say, shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins. And he shall put on them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all the iniquities on itself to a remote area and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Verse 29. And it shall be a statue for you forever that in the seventh month, the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourself and shall do no work other than that of all the stranger who sojourns among you. And on this day you shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord for all your sins. Lord bless his word. We find something happening here. It's a build up. And God gets his people out of Egypt and everything and bring them to a place. What is happening here? There's one question God is trying to answer. And that is the question, how can a holy God have a relationship with sinful man? It's even God again here. It's God's initiative. It's God coming to man and say, I want to make a way. I'm not going to turn in my holiness. See, the only way this, we can get into this relationship with God is either God becomes unholy and we can relate with him and journey with him or God stays holy. We are sinful and there's no way we can enter into his presence unless he's, he provides a way. And here God comes to his people and he brings a moment. So where does it start? The very first thing we need to learn from this passage, our sin is much worse than we think. It is really important that we see this in the light of the scripture. Right, verse one, and the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of his two sons. Aaron's two sons passed away. You find that in Leviticus 10, verse one to three. When Nab, Nabu walked into the most holy of holies, started to offer fire, went into the presence of God and just decided on their terms, on their own way, they're gonna save themselves. They've been warned right through the Old Testament. They have seen Moses even on a mountain. They've seen this. And even as they were not high priests, but priests and can offer, they were not cleansed themselves. They even, even prayed for their own sin. And as they stepped into the presence of God, immediately they fell dead. Because no sin can stand before the just and holy God. No sin, no sin can enter the holy God. The most devastating announcement that a born again believer can hear is when you come to a place, let's say you arrive here this morning and we announce that God sinned. Imagine that. God sinned. Where's your hope now? You cannot have hope without God being holy. But you cannot have a holy God and ask him to embrace sin. 
Because when he embraced sin, he becomes unholy. You either have a holy God and man needs to know with fear and trembling, we cannot even approach this God. We are so more worse off than what we think, apart from God. You see, these two entered and God says in his verse, he says, among those who are near me, I will be satisfied and before all the people, I will be glorified. Let me put that in the new NIV translation. Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Why did they die? Because they saw their sin as small. And when they entered into the greatness of God's holiness, they were sanctified. Because not God is spiteful, not because God wants to kill people. God is holy, sin cannot enter. And no man in his arrogance can change that. Because God is holy. The sinful man, just think about what's going on in our minds when we read through the Bible. How we quickly want to judge God and son. And friends, in our own sinfulness, how can we even have a thought trying to define who God is? He is holy. And unless we have this understanding of, this God's, of God's holiness, how will we ever totally, completely surrender and serve him? God is fearsome in his holiness. And his holiness is intense and dangerous to sinful human beings. It is little wonder that the vision of holy God is both awesome, inspiring, and frighteningly trembling. Humans either treat, retreat in dread, or they bow down in contrite worship. When you understand God is holy, there's a response. Aaron's sons, Litchi, were careless, irresponsible, and had no reverence for God's holiness, and they just walked in as if it's a small thing. This passage makes it clear that sin is no small thing. Leviticus reveals to us the great gulf that exists between God and us. And unless a perfect, a sinful man, a sinful human being, no matter who they are, it could be the priest, it could be the high priest, it could be the senior leader, it could be the dad, no matter who that human being is, no matter what team they played, no matter what's the bank account balance, no human being can fill this gap. We are totally at the despair of a perfect holy God. And if he turns and decides not to do anything, it will be just that all sinful people perish. It gives you an answer to the tough questions when you see people dying in the word of God. Because no man is without sin, therefore all are justly dying. But you have a God who does not leave us alone. Sin only seems trivial, unimportant to us when God's holiness seems tried, boring and overused. Speak too much about God's holiness. Sin is only unimportant when God is boring. Sin is only unimportant when God... Holiness is overused. 
God is an all-consuming fire who dwells in unapproachable light, 1 Timothy 6 verse 16, Hebrews 12, 29. There is no impurity in him whose eyes are too pure to look upon evil, Psalm 92 verse 15, Habakkuk 1 verse 13. It's clear that God cannot look upon sin. Sinless angels unceasingly bow before him and day in, day out, day in, day out, bow down. And all they say is holy, holy, holy. Without even looking at him, they cover their eyes with their wings because they cannot even look into his rays. They will die. We are not serving something we carved out in our garage. We're not serving something that you attained over the years in your business. We're not saving some human hero. We're serving a holy God that has the ability to change things in a split second, but he wants to be revered. May the respect of God return in our lives, our marriages, our everything, and may we live with the fear of God. We exist to honor God. May that not be a slogan, but a revelation. Sinless angels bow down. When you look at what Isaiah said, woe to me when he went into the presence of God, immediately, woe to me for I'm lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips. When we see God as holy, we no longer see sin as small. The second point from this, we see this lostness and that sin is more worse than what we think. But, God's grace is much greater than what we think. Verse 20 talks about they made an atonement and they come to the place where I read to you. It's two goats they were kind of sacrificing. Now, why these two goats? This is really important. You find these two goats. The one goat, both are innocent. They take the one goat and they slaughter and sacrifice it. An innocent goat, innocent blood had to flow for the forgiveness forgiveness of sins that was the one goat the second goat was different see the one is the picture of atonement but the second goat was called a scapegoat which means the goat that departs they did not slaughter did not kill the second goat the second goat is they put their hands on a goat's head and literally would confess all the sins of the people and one man will lead this goat into the wilderness and let him go and then this goat will run off. And once he see the goat is away and he can't see it anymore, he would come back to Israel and he would declare the following. Not only did God die, your sins were paid for by the one goat and there is a sacrifice, but the guilt and the condemnation of your sin was led into the wilderness and it's gone. And they would start to clap their hands. Those were the two goats. Wow, is God not gracious? Who are we to condemn God, to judge God? You see, the second God was the result of the atonement. God desires to have a relationship with man. He is so desperate, not desperate, but he's so wanting, so desiring to have a relationship with man that in the midst of man's fallenness, he comes up with a plan and a place and a process to restore man unto him. He invites man. 
You see, with all this, there's a one big thing, but God. See, unless we see our lostness as serious, we will never value God's holiness for what it is. Unless we understand, and why do we read through the Bible and there's laws and all these? Because these laws are not there to save us. God's laws, when you read through it, is there to measure us and to make sure that every man's mouth is shut and every single human being comes to the place of humility and realize when I read through these laws, I fall short. I need a savior. The law does not save us. The law points us. The law is our tutor. The law shows us who God is. The law gives us a glimpse of who this God is. And then when you look into it, oh, I cannot do this. And see the sinful man by the law, try to apply the law, try to win the law, try to do the law, so that through the law, I can look better than somebody else. I don't swear as much as you. I pray more than you. I don't drink as much as you. Why? Because I'm keeping the law and therefore I'm saving myself. The lostness is exactly the same as the guy who apply no law. The law was never there so that we try to save ourselves. The law was there to measure us, to realize we are falling short and are in desperate need of somebody else to save us because I cannot save myself. You see, there's a but God moment throughout the Old Testament. God keeps on returning. Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam did not look for God. There's no human being on the face of the earth that looks for God. It's always God coming to Adam, God coming to Moses, God coming to Noah, God coming to, God coming to us. What a gracious God. His desire to walk in relationship with man has been shown through his intentionality to always make a plan, always have a plan. But we find a major challenge in this whole book because you find that every single year on this day, on that time, they have to sacrifice, they have to cleanse themselves, and every year, for one year, now you'll find if you go and study religions, you study Islam, you study Buddhism, how much of that, of Islam, is actually taken from the Word of God? Every year there's a fast time. Where does that come from? It comes from the Old Testament. Where's the priest, Imam? It comes from the Old Testament. You look at so many things that you apply to your lives that actually missing the whole point. It's never centered around man. You see, all of it that the priest done and God gave to them was always temporary. And every single year, they have to do it over and over. And here's the amazing thing. Even if they do it over and over, even the high priest who offers on behalf of the people was sinful. So he had to cleanse himself first before he goes into the Holy of Holies. That's why he says, Aaron, don't you come in unless you've cleansed yourself. Otherwise, you will also perish like your sons. I want to put a picture. Before you come into this hall this morning, I have to cleanse the hall. And if I don't and you enter, you will die as you enter the wall, hall this morning. Imagine the high priest decides, I will not participate, and I will not on behalf of the people ask for God's forgiveness, then the whole nation is doomed. See, as much as the Western world tells us we are islands on ourselves, by ourselves, and we don't need community, the word of God is crystal clear against that. I can do my own thing. I can do whatever. No, you can't. 
See, the culture you see throughout the Old Testament is very clear that God has an order how he does things. But even that priest, God is not saying, replace Jesus, replace this man with Jesus. He's now your priest. He can save you. And we start to make of man much more than what man is. Even that high priest falls short. Which brings me to the last point. Jesus is our high priest. Wow. Jesus is the one who solved the problem, the gap, the relational distance between us and God forever. Verse 29 says, it shall be a statute to you forever. See, here you have temporary, seven months, that day, this place. It's all the time human beings need to sacrifice. And every year they have to do it again and again. You see, the priests had to participate in the Day of Atonement on an annual basis for the people to stay free. It's all good. And that's the way God said, I want to teach you how to walk into. But already, these are typologies. It's examples of God actually already through this appointing to a permanent solution and not a temporary solution. He's introducing in Leviticus 16 the concept of Christ. Hebrews 6 verse 90 to 20. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. I hope that enters into the inner place Behind the curtain. Get now what the eye behind the curtain means? That's where people die if you come in wrong. Jesus entered into the behind the curtain where Jesus gone as a forerunner on, behalf, on our behalf. He have becoming the high priest forever. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Why do you believe in Jesus? I hope it's no more just a feeling. I hope it's no more just some camp experience. I hope you start to get a revelation of what Jesus really did and who he really is. See, the first goat was an innocent goat, blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And the second goat was the scapegoat that took those sins away from us forever. And Jesus became the first and the second goat. He was the innocent God slaughtered for our sins. And he's the second goat that took the sins of the world away from us. And God says, I will no longer even remember your sin, once there's forgiveness. Once blood has flown, once there's blood on your doorpost, once there is blood on your confession, there's blood on your family, there's blood on your thinking. Once you have embraced what Jesus did, once you've put your faith in Christ and you keep your faith in Christ, it's in Christ that you and I say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. It's not in us obeying the law. Is the law away now? No. And we'll continue with that in the next two weeks. But because I have a revelation of who God is and his holiness, why do I want to go back to sin again? No, I don't want to. I want to be separated from sin. See, that's why Passover and we have, you know, this year again, we will have Good Friday and Passover weekend. Hope this is a new revelation for you as we come into those places where our debt was settled forever.
want to conclude with Hebrews 9, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, he will enter once for all into the holy place. Not by means of the blood of goats anymore or any human sacrifice, but by the means of his own blood. Not a goat he slaughtered. He allowed himself to be killed. Thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats sanctify from the purification of the flesh, so the little bit that goat's blood did for those people, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works. Why? To serve the living God. A revelation of God's holiness is directly linked to our service. People who serve God with everything comes from a relation of who God is. He is everything. As you're sitting here this morning, I hope you hear the word of God that Jesus paid for the sins of your sin, my sin, and of the whole world. We have a good news. We have the news going to a lost world. They're trying to find salvation and find solutions and find this gap that they have between them and God in all other places except in Christ alone. Our sin is much worse than what we think. God's grace is much greater than what we think. And Christ has become not the temporary, the permanent forever forever high priest paying with his own blood so that you and I can walk in relationship with him holiness revealed it's Christ in us the hope of glory you close your eyes and I want you to think about this one or two questions which area of your life and we're going to this week of prayer and fast could not be a better timing for this moment for this message why don't you ask God this week Lord am I underestimating the power of sin in my life which area which area do I justify something see it's not to guilt us it's to convince us that we can come to a God second question Apart from the power of sin. How's my understanding of God's holiness? And how does that affect me in the way I serve Him? May God reveal Himself to us. If you're sitting here this morning, I hope you hear the good news. As much as mankind is fallen under sin, broken, separated, there's a God who came into man's world. He came into the wilderness, the sinful world. And he offered a solution to have a relationship with him.
how is your relationship with God this morning? If you're sitting here this morning and you're not sure that you are born again, meaning that you have put your faith in Christ alone for salvation, that you're looking at Him as the high priest, the only one who can save you. If you've not done that, put your faith in Christ. I want to give you this opportunity. If you don't mind, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Anybody? You're not sure. You're sitting here this morning and you say, I'm born again. But there's a desire in your heart to say, Lord, there's things in my life. I want to have a greater revelation for you. I don't want to approach you with familiarity anymore. I don't want to just run to you and run to your presence, but because of Jesus Christ, I can live in your presence now. Because you see the blood of the Son on the doorpost. Because of that, I can't come to you. And you're sitting here this morning, you say, Lord, I want to have a closer relationship with you. I'm born again. And I desire to have a much closer, deeper revelation of you. Just we are. Just pray this prayer with me, Lord Jesus. Reveal yourself to me. Forgive me for my familiarity. For making small sense smaller than what it is. And decreasing you for who you are. Would you reveal yourself to me, Lord? That I can serve you. Father, I pray this week as we spend time setting ourselves apart, not for this year, but for the rest of our lives to serve you. Would you help us to see things as you see it so we can repent? Would you bring your love and grace, Lord God, that you've done throughout the Bible? Every time you've come, you initiate it so we know, Lord God, you will also forgive because you initiate, but you also set us free from the power of sin. May we serve you for the rest of our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationtwane.org forward slash moikluf. That's everynationtwane.org forward slash moikluf. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Yeah.